Chargers and Chiefs star linebacker, Mr. Donnie Edwards. Donnie, is everything going for you? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. <laughs> Glad to hear it. I can't wait for Curve to start back up. Yeah, and I, was I can't wait either, man. I yeah. can't wait. I can't yeah. wait. We need something. We need some laughter. Yeah, I know. Because it's like, honestly, Curb's like the only show that really doesn't care about like kind of the norms anymore. And they're like, they'll do what they think's funny and they don't really care what people think. And, and I think it's all funny because we all kind of think yeah. it and, you know, yeah. and don't say it. And he says it, which is pretty yeah. fun. <laughs> pretty no, funny. Yeah, I was listening to some interview they did with um with JB Smooth. They don't even he has no scripts. They just say kind of go and he does his own thing, which is awesome. Yeah, it's it's that's fun. awesome. That's all. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. So I, yeah, it's happy. I'm happy to hear you're a fan as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I love it. Um, so I I, I know you went to the Dodgers game yesterday. How was that? They win? Uh, no, Padres, 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 my mistake. Padres, my mistake. Yeah, don't forget, born and raised here in San Diego. I'm a Padres fan, Padres fan, but I'm also like a closet Dodgers fan too you know what I mean I have such affinity for LA for you know, going to college out there for so long and everything and having teammates uh coach the team but uh Padres man Padres are 10 and 10 right now and it's not looking pretty good uh for some reason we're not finding a way to get those bats moving so yeah so I was at the game yesterday and uh we came up short against the Milwaukee Brewers yeah, because I know, because I know California, you guys, guys, you guys have like half the leagues in California, so it's sometimes it's a little hard to keep track. <laughs> Especially, I don't know if you saw that A's, they 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 got the they got the win on the error. Yeah, I didn't see that one. I, yeah, yeah, I didn't see that. Wild, you can check that out. Um, and then how's everything been going for you? Pandemic still going on, kind of vaccines are good now. I got both my shots. No side effects. Anybody listening that's hesitating to get the vaccine, <laughs> get the vaccine. Um, or if, consult a doctor. I'm not a doctor. Um, has, has everything been for you past year? It's kind of been kind of crazy for everybody. Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been unique. You know, uh, um, I travel quite a bit. My wife and I don't have any kids, you know, running this, uh, foundation called best defense foundation. When we take uh, veterans back to their battlefields, uh, just think in 2019, we did six battlefield return programs from Iwo Jima, Saipan, Tinian, Guam, Germany, Holland, France, Normandy, I mean, just all over the place. On top of that, you know, we travel on our own personally. And then I also did two USO tours. So I went to uh, Okinawa and watched the Super Bowl there with the Marines. And also um, a month later, went out to Africa, went to Niger, Africa to go visit our troops that are uh, stationed out there in, in Niger. So, you know, honestly, it was um, a lot of traveling, a lot of moving around. And, uh, you know, because of the pandemic, gave me a chance just to like sit in one place and and take some time for myself and just reconnect with uh, a lot of things that I, you know, didn't have a chance back in 2019 when I was moving around so much. Were you guys able to do much last year? Or was it kind of, kind of not, not really? Yeah, I mean, um, unfortunately for the, uh, you know, for our veteran program, um, obviously a lot of these guys are, uh, are older. So yeah. um, that wasn't a, you know, that wasn't happening. Traveling wasn't happening, but just personally, um, you know, uh, my wife and I, we end up going to some national parks just uh, some time outdoors, do a lot of hiking, that kind of stuff, which was uh, great because I never had a chance to really do that. And uh, finally <laughs> saw, uh, saw um, uh, uh, St. Helens, what's it called? Old, um, no, Old Faithful, the guy, okay. old, yeah, yeah, yeah. old Faithful in uh, Yellowstone. Yeah, um, finally had a chance to see that. I mean, I never saw that in my life. I mean, as a kid, we all see that all the time and it was really nice to see that. So yeah, so we just kind of like, you know, as I call in football, you got to just call an audible. It's not what you always think the play is going to be. And you got to just make a check. 
so that's what we did. Um, you know, even with the foundation as well, we, uh, you know, we started doing these, uh, these uh, live Zoom calls as we're doing right now. Yeah. But we incorporate uh, other people to join the conversation. You can ask a World War II veteran a question, which is awesome. And we've done probably, I don't know, 25, 30 of them so far. Um, we have another one this weekend. And it's just been great because it really gives these World War II veterans, that unfortunately, that are stuck at home, a chance to get out there, to talk, to connect, you know, uh, with safety. So that's been wonderful. You see any bears or anything at the parks? You know what? We did. We did, but it was a nice bear. It was a black bear, it's a big black bear. And it was almost like you're at the zoo. I mean, it was like totally in the open. We walked across the bridge. Um, this was in um, Teton National Park, I believe. And we're walking on the bridge and everyone's just taking pictures and literally like less than five yards away is this big old bear, but he had no interest in people. It was all about the berries or the leaves that he was eating. Um, that was probably the closest I've ever been to a bear. Um, I've been to some situations in Alaska where uh, fly fishing and came close and close, uh, very close with a grizzly bear, which is a little whole different story. Um, talk about that, but I was pretty much scared out of my life. But yeah, <laughs> so we do see uh, nature. Interesting. You said five yards away and the bear just was in face. Had, I, I, I had video, I had pictures. I mean, the bear was just eating leaves or the berries out of the trees. And I mean, people are just like, like just you know, taking pictures and stuff like that. My, my wife is like, hey, don't get too close because it may just like, you know, jump at you. I said, don't forget, honey, I'm pretty fast. <laughs> or at least I used to be fast. Okay. Now, the bears are taking social distancing better than half the population. Um, that's that's wild. Um, and then, so is there any timeline for when you, the foundation, be able to do more kind of events in the future as I'm sure some of these guys have been back? Yeah, so we're working on a program right now. So the uh, the thought is to bring 40 World War II veterans back to uh, Pearl Harbor for the 80th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. So this is the one that happened December 7th, 1941. This is the reason why so many people signed up and, you know, to defend this country during, uh, during World War II, you know, all these years later. So uh, that's the plan. We're trying to put it together right now. It's not till December. So it gives us a lot of time to check the climate and see what's going on in the world and the country. But I think that's going to, um, that's going to happen. I mean, this is 80 years. Think about yeah. it. So if, a, you know, if a, if one of our veterans was 20 years old, he's 100 years old right now. Think about it. If he was 20 years old during the war, he's 100 years old. And there's a lot of them right now that are uh, into their hundreds that are still active, uh, driving, you know, connecting. And, I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty wonderful. Yeah. Did I see that your, your grandfather, he served and he was at Pearl Harbor. He, he survived, but he was there. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Maximino Arousal. Yep. Maximino Arousal, Native American. Um, he was at Schofield Barracks, and most people forget, but um, we got attacked on the early morning on a Sunday morning, December 7th. So, obviously, you know, Saturday night is a night where everyone kind of has fun, and you know, <laughs> and uh, the next morning, you know, to the sounds of uh, screaming and yelling and bombing, I mean, everybody was just trying to like, you know, get out and get to their stations and just try to like fight back. So, he talks about it and he says it's almost like, you know, it happens so uh, fast and a blur because it's Sunday. Everybody's getting ready to go to church in the morning and you're in Hawaii and all of a sudden you have all this destruction, death and destruction. Um, so he survived it and uh, he always used to talk about it. So which is very you know important for my generation so I can pass it on to the next generation so we never forget.
Yeah. And I want to flip over to football. So obviously one of your former teams didn't do too well in the Super Bowl this year. Did you, did you see that coming? What's going on? What's going on with the, uh, the Chiefs? Yeah, I was tough, man. I was, uh, I was ready. I mean, I was really excited about the previous year, um, you know, winning the Super Bowl. And I just felt like, I mean, could have been three years in a row. Don't forget that, uh, you know, the Chiefs lost in the championship game. Outside. to the uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was at the game. <laughs> I was at the game and just couldn't believe it, you know, <laughs> because after all these years for the Lamar Hunt, you know, and his family, you know, um, it's just, I just really wanted it for the town, for the city, for the team, the organization, because I know we've been clawing. Um, so we got it. And uh, I was hoping that we can run it back. You know, that was our model, run it back, run it back. But um, yeah, it just didn't happen. I mean, I really didn't feel it. I mean, there was something missing. Um, it seemed like Mahomes was running for his life. You know, it was unfortunate. He was running for his life, trying to make plays. But uh, it happens that way. But, you know, hopefully we can learn from it. You know, just having the past experience of losing on the big stage uh, will really propel a, uh, propel a team to understand that we're not going to let that happen ever again. I have a question. If both both of your former teams are on on a Sunday afternoon, which which quarterback would you prefer to watch, Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert? Uh, I want to watch both of them. I mean, they're both young and, and just dynamic, exciting. You know, we haven't got that much of, of Herbert, but, uh, you know, the – it's going to be exciting watching him this year. Now he has a year under his belt. I mean, think about the first game, what happened? He was just thrown in there. I mean, you know, here's a backup quarterback, you know, chewing on sunflower seeds and running the scout team. And all of a sudden, Hey, you're in there, you know, you're starting. And he just went out there and balled. I mean, from the, from the first game, he just went in there and balled, which is amazing. And I just really, really uh, love his energy, you know, his, um, his, his energy, um, his ability to make plays and and what happens is that he makes people around them better, just like Mahomes does. So, you know, I'm a fan. I want to watch both of them actually. But if you ask me who am I rooting for when both of my teams are playing, I root for defense. Hey, I like it. I can't um, win, right? I can't win. I mean, think nah. about if you have two kids, which one's your favorite kid? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. And um, um, both. Do you, do you, since you're you're Pac-12, it wasn't when you played, was it Pac-10? Pac-12? Pac-10, yeah, Pac-10. Okay. Do you still focus a lot on the conference? Do you spend a lot of time watching some of the college games or not really? I just watched the Bruins. Just the Bruins. I just watched the Bruins. Yeah. So did you, so when they matched up against the Ducks, did you see anything from Herbert that kind of you saw translate to this year? Or was this a complete surprise for you? It was a complete surprise because if you think about um, the offensive scheme that, that he was a part of in, in Oregon, it just, I mean, it didn't really display or have it come over to the NFL because that was his big knock. I mean, everybody was talking about that when he was getting drafted and everything, but I mean, he can show you that. I mean, he just showed everybody in the world that he can throw the ball downfield and make plays, not this little like, you know, dumps and like check downs and things like that, but he was making some plays. And I mean, um, I'm happy that he got an opportunity to play in a different offensive scheme to show, you know, people his, his, his real talent. Yeah. What do you think Brandon Cielli can bring to the defense? Um, well, you know, we need uh, playmaking ability. Like I said, like when you're a playmaker, right, you make plays, other guys on the team rally around that, and they want to heighten up their game. So you got to lead from the front, right, from the tip of the spear. You know, make plays, make plays, and expect to win. And if you can do that and rally the guys around them, I mean, that's what we want. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, um, so how did you decide upon going to UCLA? Say that again? How, well, how did you decide upon UCLA to go playing there? Uh, oh, going to college there? Yeah. Oh, it's a pretty funny story, actually. Uh, you know what? I got the last scholarship 
to UCLA. And a lot of people don't know this, but, um, you know, on the last day uh, before the sign date, um, someone else declined, another linebacker declined, and I'm going to like Texas, uh, University of Texas. And Terry Donahue and Rick Neuhausel called me up last minute and said, hey, uh, you know, we have, we have a scholarship for you. At first, they didn't have one. But all of a sudden, the night before the sign day, he said, hey, we have one. And I was already going to, like, pretty much uh, verbally commit to, um, to San Diego State. So I would have played, you know, I would have played with uh, Marshall Falk, some of those guys over there. So that would have been great. Um, but, um, yeah, so they came to my house here in San Diego. And it says, hey, do you want it or not? We have it right here. So I was, I was thinking about, I mean, come on, John Wooden, <laughs> Lou Alcindor. You know, uh, you know, all these guys and, and all the history of uh, UCLA. And I just I had to take it and I had to do it. And I never forget because um, I was 185 pounds, 180, no, 180 pound linebacker, you know, 180 pound linebacker. And I remember um, going to the first like team um, training hall meal and one of the other linebackers on the team. I think he was a junior or senior at the time. Big old guy, big old yoke, you know linebacker called Nikosi Littleton and I remember you know at my little food and the little training and he says uh what position you play and I said linebacker and he looked at me he looked at my body and he went <laughs> and laughed at me man I never forget that because I was so skinny I was so light in the ass I mean I I really needed to eat I mean I'm really tall and lanky I mean I think I played uh, pretty much my whole career in the NFL like 227 228, you know, um, but, you know, I was able to run and, uh, you know, you got to be able to adapt and maneuver, I guess. So it all worked out though. But yeah, so that's how I got to UCLA. That's awesome. Um, did, did you have like goals of playing in the NFL or were you just focused on UCLA at the time? You know, at the time, I mean, I was so skinny. I mean, I just, uh, you know, focused on uh, you know, becoming a starter and that was my first goal. So you have all these like these little mini goals that you have, right? So the NFL was way down here. First of all, I need to become a, a force on my team. I need to become a, a starter at, you know, at linebacker. And, you know, I just worked extremely hard. I mean, I, I try to eat as much as I could. Um, I worked out a lot. I mean, it was very strong. Um, don't let the size fool you. I was actually, <laughs> I actually worked uh, very hard in the weight room to, uh, to, uh, you know, to have strength, to, you know, to maintain strengths uh, for my lack of actual weight, you know, so I was very proud on that. I just worked hard and I ended up becoming a starter my freshman year, my redshirt freshman year, I started. And then um, from there, it just got more and more comfortable and, you know, had some opportunities to make it to the league. That's awesome. I have a question. Uh, I'm not sure if I've got the years mixed up. Um, were you there when Reggie Miller was there playing basketball or were you? No, no, mm -mm. No, okay. I was there when uh, we won the national championship in basketball okay. with Tyus Edney and Toby Bailey and Ed, Ed, uh, Ed O'Bannon. And that that yeah. name I know. I don't know the first two guys. Are. I know. Yeah. 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 So that was really fun. That was in 1995. That's wild. And I, I want to ask you, um, since you've got the draft coming up, uh, what's it, a week from today, um, do you have any interesting draft stories? What was your, what was your kind of draft process like? Well, I mean, it wasn't really favorable for me because I was going to come out my junior year um, I had already graduated. I was in graduate school. Um, but uh, like I said, I was really skinny at the time. And now if you look at linebackers, so like my year, the, the draft of 1996 with Ray Lewis and Zach Thomas and all of us, like we were kind of like the first year where these linebackers like myself or, you know, could play every down. 
because before you had these big linebackers that played first and second down and then third down they'll bring in you know a strong safety to play nickel and dime defense well you know we're the first ones to 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 play you know every down not come off the field cover tight ends cover wide receivers and stuff like that and now people want linebackers like myself that can run you know tackle in the open space and and, and cover and, and i mean all like all these things so like i think it, you know i think it's a little bit ahead of my time i should be playing right now this is my game right now but um yeah so i end up staying in school and uh i end up breaking my back the second game of the season against oregon and uh that really just destroyed my whole entire senior season because i was i was doing really well in terms of my weight i was like 230 five biggest I've ever been I've been lifting and just like really wanted to um, get a high pick in the draft and that all came crumbling down when I broke my back uh, compression fracture and pretty much missed the whole entire year I went from 235 pounds to uh, 200 pounds just like that you know not being able to lift or anything and I just thought that my career was over you know anyone that breaks their back you know can you still play you know football um, but it was a compression fracture, and I ended up uh, coming back at the end of the year. I think I played against the um, our rivalry, USC, last game, um, after not lifting weights or not really doing anything, just going out there and playing. And then I ended up playing in the uh, in the Senior Bowl, the All-Star game. And uh, I, I, uh, I was still hurt when I went to the Combine, and um, I know my agent was like, don't run, don't lift, because, you know, you haven't done any of that stuff. But, you know, I'm a competitor. And I got kind of uh, coerced into uh, listening to some of the guys like, well, well, we just want to see where you are, right? We know you're getting stronger. We just, we just want to see where you are and didn't do well. I mean, according to where I should have done, because I was just, you know, coming back from, from, from injury. Anyways, long story short, I ended up running a 4-4 in the 40, my pro day. Um, so I thought that was going to be a big help. Um, and a lot of teams were talking about going into the first, second round. And um, my name never came up. And back then on ESPN is where we watched the draft. And the uh, first three rounds are on the first day. And then the, and the fourth round and beyond is the second day. So I had all my family all around the TV waiting for my name to be called. And it was probably one of the worst days of my life because, like, when my, you know, I'd have my little sister like, hey, brother, like, you know, when are you going to get drafted? When are they going to call your name? I'm like... I don't know. It's out of my control, you know, So that was kind of difficult, but, you know, I ended up going the second day to the chiefs. They, they uh, stepped up um, and uh, grabbed me for the 98th pick, I believe in the fourth round. And I just, from that day on, I just had a chip on my shoulder, you know, cause I knew I should have went uh, higher and uh, all the teams that passed me up, I'm going to make you pay basically attitude. And I want to show everybody that, you know, I, you know, feel that I should have been a higher, much higher draft pick. And um, yeah, so that was my, my drive, my motivation and my unfortunate draft story. You remember the first time you, um, you played with that Derek Thomas? I did. Yeah. Remember the, remember the first time you saw him kind of play like this dude's on, on this guy's unreal. Well, I mean, I'm a fan I me mean, before that. I mean, just like playing with junior sale, like I used to watch these guys on TV, you know I mean? All the guys, I mean, I watched these guys on TV and all of a sudden like, I'm hanging with him, like all of a sudden, like, you know, from a fan to like a peer, like, hey, he's just, you know, he's a teammate now. And, you know, I just tried to watch him, especially early on when you're 22, 23 years old, you know, watching someone that is very established and, you know, and, and probably the best in the NFL at the time, um, you know, you just try to watch and try to emulate that, you know, and what they do. 
and how they work, how they study, all that stuff. So um, he definitely helped me uh, for sure um, with my career. Yeah. Um, and then when you went to the Chargers, was anybody in the Chiefs saying like, man, just get out of the division. We, we don't want you here. Get, get, get. <laughs> well, I mean, it's out of your control, really. You know, I mean, uh, you know, after the Chiefs let me go in, in 2001, you know, I needed to find a new team. And uh, my former coach, rest in peace, uh, Schottenheimer, we just lost him uh, not too long ago, um, you know, knew my character, knew my ability, and uh, brought, me, brought me home, brought me here to San Diego, gave me an opportunity to play for my hometown team that I grew up watching for so long. So it was very special to come back to, uh, to San Diego and to still play against my old teammates in Kansas City. It was interesting. Uh, and then flopping back and forth when I went yeah. back there as well. Yeah. So I spent my whole entire career in the AFC, which is pretty nice. Do you, do you have any good, uh, any fun stories about Junior Seau, just the kind of competitor he was, just kind of like the, the legend of Junior Seau? Oh, man, there's so many stories, man. That guy is unique. He's rare. You know, we say rare because a lot of us are all kind of the same in sports, you know, but then you have some rare phenom talent like 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 Seau. Um, I'll never forget, I mean, um, just first training camp in 02 um you know like we have to work out at you know say seven o'clock in the morning right so I always try to be you know there early um and I try to get there probably 10 minutes early so I can start work out you know get it done so I can get some uh some hot tub and you know just take care of my body and uh I go there and Junior Seau, Rodney Harrison, Orlando, Ruff all those guys are already done with their workout and you know i'm coming through there like you know thinking i'm right here you know right here bushy tail in the morning like getting ready to get ahead of a start on everybody and they're already done and he comes up to me he's like hey man what's going on where you at and where you at like he like just calls me out like i'm just like you know and i look up to these guys and i'm looking at them and i think i'm getting a step but you know and and i never forget he was like we're gaining we're gaining we're gaining we're gaining on you so uh i learned early on from him be early be early and he was notorious for um working out at five o'clock in the morning and then spending the extra time watching film in the hot tub <clears throat> and these are the things that a lot of people don't see you know they see what happens on the field but they don't see what happens you know when the cameras are not rolling i mean this guy was uh i mean it's so much uh energy drive motivation just it's just wonderful to watch and to see and to be on the field with actually because even in practice you talk about a motor that doesn't stop I mean it doesn't matter if 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 junior was on this sideline over there and the ball was thrown over there which you know he's probably not gonna go make the tackle this dude would just run full speed you know I mean it's incredible I've never seen anything like it Are there any guys in the league now that kind of remind you of him I don't know. It's kind of hard because this is like the things that happen um, in practice and off the field. Right. So these are those small intangibles that people don't really know about because all we see is what we see on, you know, on the game on Sunday. You know, it's kind of hard to see that on Sunday, but it's the small things. And that makes a difference between um, the guys that are here and the guys that are here and all the guys that I know that are in the Hall of Fame today. I mean, no one worked harder than those guys, all of them. And a lot of people don't know that, but I've been very lucky to be around several Hall of Famers and play against them. And I know, you know, their drive and their motivation and their work ethic. Um, could you, were you not, was no one allowed to hit LT in practice? No, I mean, I mean, we, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. We, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, I mean, that guy played. I mean, LT, I mean, he played. He was there 
almost every game, every practice, everywhere. He wanted, he's a competitor, wanted to be on the field. And, you know, nah, because like, you know, we should go at it. I mean, we had, you know, one-on-one pass rush with the running backs. Um, you know, him and I, I mean, he'll be the first one to, you know, stand up and, and play. No, he practiced. He worked hard. That's why he's one of the best ever to play the game. Because John Abraham told me they couldn't hit Curtis Martin, so I wanted to ask if it was just kind of like a star, a star running. Oh back. no, it's different. Every team, I mean, every coach has a different philosophy. You know, I mean, it's just different. I mean, when Marty was coaching, I mean, we, you know, we had pads like pretty much all week, except for Friday. You know, we had padded practices, two and a half hour padded practices, even with Dick Vermeil. I mean, and some coaches don't believe in pads. I mean, now, I mean, I don't even know if no. they wear helmets now. I'm not really sure. They're playing <laughs> games practice. on Wednesdays now. They're playing Wednesday games. They're playing Wednesdays and the Ravens are playing Wednesdays. Now they're, they're just kind of just coasting. It's, do you think they should kind of bring back pads during the weekend? Or do you think it's, it's just too, the game's getting too big that they don't want to risk any potential entries? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really like the idea of them, um, you know, focusing on, on health and safety for sure. I mean, it definitely wasn't around when I was playing. Um, I mean, it was, but not to the effect of where it's at now for sure. You know what I mean? I really like that. Um, but unfortunately, it seems like the defensive guys are always the ones that are getting, you know, penalized and 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 in trouble for. It, you know what I mean? And we have to react to things. And I don't think people realize that. I mean, you have to make a split decision. And if you are worried about, like, oh my God, I want to hit him with any part of my helmet, you're going to miss the play. They're going to score a touchdown. But so it's difficult. Um, yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a question. What What do you want to see from Kenneth Murray in year two? Um. I don't really watch him that much, actually. Um, but, um, I mean, I was pleasantly surprised on last year. Were you? Uh, I, I a little bit of higher expectations. He's kind of a first-round pick. Maybe this is the defense one I wasn't getting going, but expecting big things from him. He apparently wants to go to, he wants to go to single digits like he was at Oklahoma, so we'll see. Might be in a different number this year. Yeah, but, I mean, you got to understand, you're coming into a whole different – yeah. league and a whole different deal you know i know the expectation is there just because you go in the first round it's not always going to have success when you jump yeah. right into it i mean if you look at history i mean look at some of the other quarterbacks look at troy aikman i think troy aikman went one in 15 yeah. right <laughs> when he his first year playing and even paid many i mean look at paid many's uh first yeah. year when he played for the colts i mean yeah. you know i mean but but there's a there's that little understanding of uh having that experience and building off that and pushing and working hard so like I said it comes down to work ethic and want to you know and I encourage him and other players right now to be a pro you know and being a pro is being a pro on the field and off the field and in the classroom in the weight room all of this stuff if you're going to be a pro be a pro in all all degrees yeah um wanted to ask you how cool is it to make the pro bowl it was great it was great I mean it was uh it, it was truly an honor to go to uh, Hawaii, be part of the of the Pro Bowl team for sure. I mean, something that I've always wanted, and for whatever reason, um, you know, numbers were there. It just it didn't get selected. I was always like first run up for so long, um, first alternate for so long. But yeah, it was great. It was great to like connect with a lot of the guys yeah. that you know you played against that we all respect. You know, and players know players. Players know who the guys are, and sometimes you don't need to have the, the title, the accolade, to have the respect from the other guys you play against. And what I ask you, who's the toughest running back to, to tackle your whole career? The one with the ball in their hand. And think about that. that. <laughs> think about that. The one with the ball in their hand, because every running back that I played against all has some type of, you know, uh, super talent, either quickness. I mean, 
playing against Emmett Smith. I mean, I just remember like going to the B gap and, you know, he's so shifty, right? And how do you get juked in the B gap? I mean, there's not that much room, but I mean, for someone like him to get so low and get that shifty and have that, you know, that, that control of the body. I mean, there's so many guys I look back. I mean, there's so many guys that I played against Eddie George and Jerome Bettis, you know, played against LT. You know I mean, out of the backfield, just incredible. I mean, just, there's so many guys, Chris Holmes. I mean, there's so many incredible, incredible running backs that I played against that all have a unique ability. And, you know, my job period is just to get them down, right? Get them down the ground, make the tackle. And that's what I wanted to do, no matter what it was. I mean, you know, a lot of times, a lot of my tackles are not spectacular because most of the time, you know, the running backs are bigger than me. I mean, I'm 227 pounds. I'm not going to like come out, you know, <laughs> that's not me, you know, but I guarantee you, I'm going to get them down to the ground. I pride myself on making tackles. And, uh, you know, I tackled in a certain way. If you watch me play, I mean, I did almost like a rugby tackle because I want to make sure that I get them down to the ground. The wrap, I the always, yeah, I always wrapped up and used my body to pull them down to make the tackle, to make the tackle. I, uh, I really was hard on myself. I missed tackles. You know, I never come in a tackle just with a shoulder like that or just try to knock them down. I, I was never, ever like that. My key, the goal for me was to make the tackle and get them down to the ground. Make plays. Make plays. You don't get extra credit for just throwing a shoulder into something. You, you get credit for making the tackle, making the play. And that's what I wanted to do. That's what I did. That's awesome. I, I want to ask you before I let you go. Um, I saw you're involved with the, with the Legends program. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so I've been part of Legends program for a long time. It's a transition program, helping guys when they get done uh, with their careers. Um, we have a whole bunch of benefits, services, and uh, programs available to connect the guys with their team and also with the league. And I'm one of the coordinators for the Pacific West. So I'm out there, you know, bringing guys into, into the fold and helping them navigate themselves to whatever, you know, whatever they want to do. I mean, we have so many different programs uh, and benefits out there. But a lot of times people don't know. Guys don't know. So um, I want to make sure that we connect them with the benefits that they earned. I mean, basically they earned and they deserve and they should be able to get. Um, we want everybody to be successful. And this is a great program because, you know, we're not turning our backs on the guys that played the game in the past, not just like the guys on the field. It's the guys who made the game what it is. And I'm really happy to be part of Legends community. That's awesome. And then can you, I want to ask you one, uh, one more question about the best defense. Um, was there any kind of like surreal moments from since you started the foundation that kind of just hit you harder than anything else, maybe going to a certain place with a certain person during your time with the foundation? Well, it's always special. I mean, every program that we have, I mean, just think about it. I've been to Normandy with veterans over 25 times. I mean, I've, I've done it. I've been taking veterans back even when I was playing back in 2006 is the first time I took, I took veterans back to the battlefields and every year, Subsequently, after that, I mean, it's just been really special for me to give these guys an opportunity to go back to the battlefields with the brothers for camaraderie, closure, uh, to connect um, with so many feelings that, you know, they never had a chance to, uh, you know, to look at so many times. So there's so many memories. I mean, I mean, it, it, just to pick one is very difficult. Um, if you go to our website, bdf.org, um, or go on our YouTube channel, bestdefensefoundation.org, there's probably 60, 70 videos of a lot of the programs that we've done. So instead of me talking about it, you hear it directly from the veteran, directly from the World War II veteran, from the battlefield where he created the history, right? So think about that. Going back to the battlefield where he created and his brothers created the history. So on the beaches of, of Omaha to the fields and, and uh, the dikes of uh, Holland 
to the top of Mount Suribachi in Iwo Jima. I mean, we have footage and videos and, and stories from all these guys. And it's just really special in my life to give back to the ones who gave me opportunity. I mean, think about it. I mean, I'm so blessed to play football. So blessed to change my life, to get educated, to have a master's from UCLA, um, all because of the men and women that served in uniform to provide this incredible freedom that we all enjoy today and the opportunity, the opportunity. I mean, I'm one of 11 kids, yeah. you know, only in America, you have the opportunity, if you want it to go for it, to work hard, things will happen. And I'm living proof. You talk about the American dream. I'm the American dream. And I want to make sure that I pay it back to those who serve. And that's what we do. We're all volunteers with the Best Defense Foundation. All the all the monies that we raise goes directly back out to our programs. We also have an education program where we're in schools, um, doing assemblies and incorporating uh, character development programs in the classroom and also a transition program for Iraq and Afghanistan veterans as well. We're connecting them with NFL players. We're like-minded um, to help each other navigate life after we hang up the cliques or we hang up the uniform. So it's all kind of the same. And, you know, we just want to give back and try to make a difference and have fun doing it.